Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. This is Russ Bain with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPBR episode 68, Phases That Are Eclipse. And this episode is in part sponsored by Audible.com. And with me, as always, is Tom Church. And this episode, we have Caleb as a special guest. Yes, both of us together. Thank you for mentioning us, Ross. Yeah. I feel better. Do you feel better? Uh, yes, I do. Hello, everyone. Yes. Uh, in this episode, we're... <laughs> Uh, as you may know, if you're a fan of the actual play podcast, we've been playing a lot of Eclipse Phase these last many months, and uh, we uh, thought uh, instead of just doing an episode about advice, uh, specific uh, or generic advice for all systems, we would do an episode. We're going to review just, a system. Yeah, we're just, well, we're going to talk shop. Episode. All three of us have played it and run Eclipse Phase, so I thought it would be a good time. We're going to probably do a couple episodes like this, just focus on different systems. So if you have yeah, a system see, you'd yeah, like you us to... You might have heard of Caleb running a... A particular campaign, you know, no evil. I'm yes. sure you might have heard of it. <laughs> well, would, yeah. would you like to plug your own campaign, Caleb? Um, yes, it's uh, built around homophones <laughs> entirely. We're on uh, episode 82 now. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Just all homophones. Yeah, that's, it's that's and really, puns. That's Terrible really, puns. I don't get much into you know laser battles and things. Like <laughs> it's it's linguistically based. Yeah, pretty much the entire time. So you know, enjoy. Yeah, that. <laughs> Uh, it's all been in the University of Mars. Linguistic debates. Because yeah. uh, that really is the core of Eclipse Phase, is linguistic debates. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the system, uh, our experiences playing it, and getting used to it. Uh, Eclipse Phase is, uh, there's a lot of feedback on it. Some people criticize the character generation system, just the complexity of the sys, uh, system and setting as a whole. So we'll get into all of that. And uh, so... Uh, there will be a, a lot of stuff to do in that regard. Of course, uh, we do have a bit of news. Uh, first off, we have the RPPR Minecraft server is up and running. Uh, 16 players max, and I finally set up permission. So we've had a, two incidents of griefing, and we've uh, uh, so now with the permission set up, uh, all players have to be manually approved before they can modify the world. Uh, you are a you know just a chatbot who cannot touch or do anything of interest until I approve you. Proof that all you need is a hammer. And a whole world for you to mine. Yeah, well... That's it. It's it, You see, the thing is, I've gone from playing Minecraft to playing Minecraft Admin. It's not quite as fun. So, uh, But I'm getting used to it, so we'll be adding a lot of features. There's all kinds of crazy shit being uh, built there. Uh, Caleb, I think you had a good idea. Like, Hopefully by the end of the year, by this time next year, it will be like blame. Just endless construction as far as the mind can see. No outdoor, outdoor uh, anymore. So it's just endless uh, crazy crap. So uh, Only after the last landscape is covered in construction will the dark one arise uh yeah sure tom and aaron's building you know catch lair for thundercats too yeah uh he mentioned that and i kind of want to see what that's all about so um anyway He's adorable yeah he is uh <laughs> and he doesn't listen to the podcast so we can basically say whatever we want yeah 
We can. So, um, and finally, uh, or next uh, in the news, this episode is being brought to you by Audible.com. You can go to audiblepodcast.com slash roleplaying and get a uh, 25% off. Or, uh, let's see here, you get two weeks off, sorry. It's uh, two weeks off uh, free to try out the their audiobooks. Uh, Caleb, you were listening to one, actually, you mentioned... Uh, yeah, I just brought uh, Charles Strauss's The Atrocity Archives, and it's really high quality, and the voice acting is really good. He does voices, so I'm entertained yeah. like a child being read to sleep. Uh, uh, it's it's about a, it's, Lovecraftian it's, madness and poli- office politics. Yes, yes, just like do they do it in just the like voice? Mother used to. Who who's reading um, it? Is it uh, Strauss himself? Or is it no, no, uh, they got an actor. I forget the name because I, I just started it today. But it's he's he's excellent. He does you know a variety of accents pretty well. And okay, good. Yeah, uh, it has to be very British. I'm oh sure. yeah, well of course it's British and therefore better because they <laughs> better. they speak the correct English. I know we, we're just yeah fucking colonies. Too bad we rule. The, too bad we rule everything. Yeah, yeah, that that'll last, Tom. I mean, well, I, hey, America will never ever decline. The sun never sets on the. Something like that. Well, I saw what you tried to do there, Ross. I, I did not appreciate that. Oh. America! <laughs> America. Tom Church is a patriot. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eclipse Phase. Uh, to, summer, to give a brief summary for those of you who aren't aware of it, it's a transhuman sci-fi horror role-playing game. The basic premise is that it's been ten years after a group of artificial intelligences uh, known as the Titans... Uh, which is an acronym. I can't remember. Like tactical something, you know, death to humans. Shit that will kill Skynet, you. Skynet, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, wiped out 95% of all of humanity. Fortunately, humanity was advanced enough that they had numerous habitats and space colonies uh, throughout the solar system. And uh, so 10 years later, uh, the Titans leave. They disappear through what it what commonly is believed. Uh, they, uh, the common theory is that they left through the Pandora Gates, which are recently discovered alien... Um, or gates to other parts of the universe. Uh, so uh, these, uh, so now you, it's ten years later. There's a group of people that are trying to protect humanity from other existential threats, like the remnants of the Titans uh, and other, you know, super weapons that can destroy all of humanity. And this organization is called Firewall. It's an illegal conspiracy. Uh, so think a little like Delta Green uh, for you, call with it much better events. tech. With much better tech, and uh, you go around fighting these uh, mon- these exurgents, which are what people that are infected with the Titan. Uh, virus or Titan nanovirus, Titan technology are called, and uh, some of them. So it can be like Dead Space, where you're facing hot, horrible biomechanical monsters. It could be like uh, you know the Terminator. The Terminator. Uh, it could be any number of things. So it's basically a science fiction thing, but it's very open ended, uh, and so you can get many different types of sci fi tropes. Uh, it is reasonably hard science in the sense that they don't do things that are. Blatantly, well, there are a couple things blatantly impossible, like the you know Pandora gates. But they say that's alien, so we don't know. How we that didn't works. build those space shit. Space whales, space whales. Yes. Uh, are you saying the Syria are very aren't believable? Yeah, he he doesn't like those. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but <laughs> most of the characters, most of the science, most of the techno- human technology is based on what we believe can be possible. So there's no FTL spaceships. You know, there's no like yet. No Star Trek stuff. No hyperdrive. Uh, and humanity. However, humanity does have a lot of crazy shit like uh, cortical stacks, which are basically digital uh, diamond armored uh, hard drives in your the base of your spine that back up your mind constantly. So if you die, they can pull your cortical stack out and you know put you in a new physical body. 
Um, and you just like you just briefly went to sleep like oh back here yeah yeah, that's how it will happen yeah that's not traumatic (laughs) at all like oh my god i'm being eaten by a giant monster and then you wake up like what happened and then Mm -hmm. like and why Why am am i black now (laughs) like why am i a gorilla yeah why am i a gorilla so uh (laughs) like i have got to fling some poop right now so that's the kind of thing uh that eclipse face is about now uh so that it came out in 2009 i got it at gen con 2009 and so the first thing we'll just kind of talk about first impression. So when I first got it, I started reading. I, I was really hyped about it, but I was like, "Holy shit! How the fuck am I ever going to run this? Because this is a very there's a like I, not only the concept but the technology and the setting is very uh, complex. It's not something. It's not like you're vampire hunters in the suburbs. Go, you know. It's not like something mm-hmm. or you're you know your fantasy heroes killing monsters in dungeons. It's well, like, I also remember that you were you, you explained to me the story after you've been reading it on the way back to from Gen Con, and my thoughts were, how the fuck is Ross going to run this? Yeah, that's. Ex- um, then of course my next thought was, oh great, he gets to fucking sleep the rest of the way back while I have to drive. <laughs> yes, yeah, sleep, Ross. Yep. So what were your first? Well, I mean that was obviously first. But what? But uh, uh, well, when I heard it, I heard it, my my first thoughts when I heard what it was about was. Well, besides that, was also holy shit. This is this is actually new. I'd never yeah. heard anything like this before. Right. And if you're not like a transhumanist, someone who's really into that particular type of science fiction or scientific thinking, theory, you know, uh, futurist thinking, I guess, theory, mm-hmm. uh, theoretical thinking, uh, you're not going to be familiar with a lot of these concepts. Okay, so, what about you? Uh, I've noticed that a lot of RPG players tend to not read straight front to back. Yeah. Uh, they tend to skim and go through, you know, wherever the art's at or what particular concept they look yeah, yeah. for. Um, as I'm I'm new to it, I just kind of started on page one and moved through. And the, the setting material in the core book is fantastic, and it hooked me. Yeah. And, uh, like, my favorite system so far is, you know, one role or... Or, or at that point was one role or Cthulhu Dark because it had the least rules. <laughs> and then, so when I got to character generation, I admit that I, if I started that, it would probably turned me off the game unnecessarily. But the, the setting material is fantastic. It's really well researched. It's, it's really well written in character voice. Yeah. Um, you, you get to play one of those background characters from a Transmet splash page, basically. You, That's a good way of putting it. You Transmetropolitan. Yeah, Transmet, Warren Ellis. You are a wild, you know, yeah. crazy, whatever you want to be, techno, alien, hybrid thing. Right. Um, well, and, not alien, but... Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a really great... St- setting and the system's really good too once you get the hang of it i think you had a really good idea in that you ran a tutorial adventure yeah first where we just kind of uh baby stepped our way into the system without diving in head first yeah and actually i mean the, the campaign th- worked that way too i mean we didn't play that until this year i think or it was late 2010 so like yeah. i got it in 2009 i didn't run it for all of 2010 because mm-hmm. i was so intimidated by the system and and finally i was like and I, I just looked at it and was like, how the hell am I going to get people to, what am I going to do in this, you know? And until I finally thought about, like, video games, tend, the really good ones tend to have really good tutorials that explain, like, here's the crazy shit we're going to have you do in this game. Like, oh, in Prince of Persia, here's a little thing on how you rewind time so you never really die. Or here in Fallout, here's how you pick up objects and, you know, murder people or whatever. You know, shoot cockroaches first, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I figured that would be a good way of starting that, like explaining. The, so, like, focus on each. So I bro- wrote down a list of each of the main concepts that I thought players would have a stumbling block on, which were like, you know, cortical stacks and backing up, re 
leaving, you know. When you're leaving is their term for switching physical bodies. Your mind stays the same, but you're put in a new physical body. And that body could be human, you know, it could be, you know, biological, you know, an animal or human body, or it could be a robot body, a synth- uh, synthetic or, you know, synth. Uh, so that's kind of how I started that. So, um, Unless you're really into mechanics, I think most people are a little intimidated by the system. But they shouldn't be because you can do tutorial missions, stuff like that. And then uh, once you really get into the setting, as long as you get your players to read the setting material or kind of introduce it to them in in some way, like through their familiarity with Transmet or some sort of, or Charles Strauss or any, or Altered Carbon. The book does have a, the Eclipse Days book does have a good. Bibliography. Yeah, influences bibliography. Yeah. If you if you can kind of get them hooked on the setting that way, it doesn't matter if you screw things. Like we screwed up Frey for the first like yeah five sessions. It, it doesn't we, matter if you make yeah. a mistake; it'll get hashed out eventually. And it's it's just a really fun game to play. So you right. shouldn't let the the page count well, I think scare we actually, you out of it. We, we started playing before the Errata came out, so we actually the the margin of success that yeah yeah changed yeah. while we were playing while we so. were in the midst of it. And thank so. God it did because yeah, <laughs> it's it's much better with yeah. the blackjack system. Um, so, uh, uh, so that was kind of everyone's first impression. But like, obviously, the first sort of pitfall, at least if you're going to be playing the game, is character generation. Now, I was very lucky, or the Glossary is, is very wise that they put in a bunch of really good pregens, yeah, uh, that pre-generated characters that you can just use. So, like, whenever somebody shows up, I'm not going to have you make a character. You know, take one of these guys and give him a name or her name, and that's it. You know, uh, but eventually, we all had to make characters. So. Uh, what were your, and this is the reason I'm bringing this up also is because this is kind of a lot of people I've read on like RPG.net and other websites or forums are like, I don't want to, I think this is really interesting, but holy shit, that character generation, that scares that shit out of me because. Well, it did the first time I did it. Okay. Yeah. But you know, and I think I was, was, was the octopus your first character or was it something else? Did you make something? Um, the first one I made from hand was, yeah. uh, Preston. Was Preston? Okay. Yeah, and everyone else by that time they had the uh, Excel spreadsheet thing. Yeah, there's a. Fa- I'll put a link for the fan made. Uh, there's an Excel character sheet generator. There's actually been a few, but there's one in particular we've all been using. It's so. really good, but uh, I was the only one in the group that actually I did mine manually. Yeah, and it was intimidating until I started doing it. Yeah, and really once you really start getting into it, it's like oh, this is just you know, just apply points here, and I mean you, you have to keep track of a lot of bonuses from whatever morph you are. Your backgrounds, but really, but really, it's pretty. It's actually a lot simpler than a lot of other systems. Oh yeah. Well, I I read Champions. So <laughs> have you uh, made characters in Champions? I made one. <laughs> As I, or I should say I made a character in Champions once. Yeah. Once. <laughs> I like math as much as the next guy. But not that much. So really, I mean, compared to like, especially champions, no, Eclipse Phase is pretty easy to learn. If, if you just do it once, I mean, just make a practice character. Yeah. And by then, if you make one character, you'll know pretty much what you need to do. Okay. My, that's what I think. Yeah, you made a character. You made your own character, too, for like a tutorial game. Right? Yeah, I made a couple to like practice with the system because I, I, once I read the setting material, I knew I wanted to run it one day. So I made a couple different ones uh, for the, for the, even for the one shot we yeah. ran. Um, and it is pretty daunting. I don't see any reason to do it without the spreadsheet. Uh, they've got every morph in there with the exception of the stuff in Panopticon, and I think they're working on updating that. They may be already up there, and I haven't looked at it yet. But right. it's not only all the... update on a regular basis. Yeah, it's not only all the gear and the morphs are bodies, by the way. 
yeah. uh, for those uninitiated. It's not only physical the physical bodies. Yeah. yeah, it's not only the gear of from the main book, it's everything from the supplements to save the last most recent one. We're talking like months since it came out. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's uh, really good. The the best advice I can give somebody new to the system is to really think of your body like another item. Yeah. in your inventory um uh, the only the mistake i see a lot of new players is they have the rpg hoarding system yeah you know like if 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 hoarders did an episode for rpg characters it would be epic you know <laughs> never throw anything away uh, right. things of that nature uh but your your body is a throwaway item as you are in a highly illegal conspiracy fighting godlike machine intelligence so you die on, on occasion and uh, so you can buy a ton of cool stuff for it, uh, but you know it, there's a balance there, and it's, it yeah, gets we'll hard. It's hard to get later. used to that. So yeah. Um, so you you always use the character generator, uh, the spreadsheet. I have never done it by hand. I was yeah. I found the Excel spreadsheet, and that's the first thing I looked for when I saw the character generation chapter. So yeah. I like to say that like the hardest thing to keep track of at first yeah. was also was making was uh, the skills not so much as you, you put one point into them it's one point per yeah. until Except you get over 60 until minutes. you get over sixty and that's only when you know you want the skill to go up higher than that right you have to make sure that you remember oh uh, I have to add in I have to add in twenty extra yeah uh, if you if you're going up to eighty yeah there there is one another thing too is uh, you have to spend so many points on active they they divide skills on the active and then to knowledge skills mm-hmm. uh, the active skills are things where you actually do things you know like knowledge like is knowing shit dodging and shooting and you know sneaking swimming yeah but uh, then the knowledge skills are like the fill in the blank skills which I love it so many systems have these like knowledge whatever you know and then well this uh, well this one has like knowledge. Hardware, interests, yeah. art, yeah, lots of so lots have, of categories. You have to divide like thirty percent of your character points have to go to that, like with three hundred out of a thousand. So, um, yeah, which can be like you can it can be a trick knowing what skills are important, what knowledge skills are important. Because like Martian beers, well, yeah, that could be useful, but yeah, maybe smuggling or security ops. You know, uh, it, at first few times I hated it. Because yeah. I felt like it was it was hamstringing me, but as I've played it more, I really like that because you can min max in the game. You can be you know I I kill thing with knives. Like <laughs> you can do that, but at the same time, they do make you you are min maxed. Like if you're really good at killing things with knives, you're crappy at dodging. Like or, or you're you know you cannot be a total game breaker in my opinion right. until you start using the technology and and there's ways around that we'll talk about that later but uh, you, I like those obscure knowledge skills because they make you seem like a person a transhuman yeah. crazy person but you have <laughs> you do stuff other than murder things with knives right. well so. well then again come on if everyone if most people are insane then aren't the sane ones the crazy people right. Exactly. Uh, think about that. Because, yeah, I mean, that, it, that is one of the things I've learned, uh, you know, from playing the game, uh, sort of the next thing, is that there there are some, you know, like, uh, uh, top-tier skills that, like, every character should have some competency in. But there's too many so that you can't be good at everything you'll need in a game. No. Like, the top ones are, like, Frey, which is dodge, obviously. Free running. Infosec, which is hacking. Obviously, in a, in a you know, high-tech world, Infosec is really fucking important. Mm-hmm. Uh, research perception. I saw uh, free running, free running, yeah, free running and free fall. Mm-hmm. So because you never know, if you're zero be, G. Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> at least one combat skill. And right. oh, and look for death traps because some people we know just keep Perception, throwing them. In I there. mentioned that. Yes, 
<laughs> but that's Mr. Like Death Trap Man. Ten skills in of itself. That's like ten. You know, I've just mentioned you know a bunch of these skills. I'd be like. 500, 600 points just to get all of those up to core competency, which is half your character points. And that's not even counting the 300 points you have for the, the knowledge skills. So you can't be an expert hacker, soldier, you know, researcher, yeah. and, uh, you know, stealth expert. Which I, I you love. Have to have, you have to well, pick But I love it. Actually, it actually makes the group have to work together. Yeah. You can't be good at everything you're going to need. Just no. not even counting esoteric specialties like, you know, nanofabrication or something like that. So, or uh, um, simul space design. Yeah, simul space design. Uh, simul space is their, their, their term for, like, virtual reality, you know, completely. Uh, totally immersive. Immersive. You know, photorealistic, yeah. yeah. So it's like you're in a, you know, you're playing the video game, but for real. You're in the those, Matrix. Yeah, crappy movie premises. <laughs> beef, <laughs> beef jerky. Uh, <laughs> uh, but playing the game, you know, is, there's kind of a learning curve, even once you make a character, I think, because, you know, one thing, campaign expectations are a little different for every, you know, like mm. a gate, cra- they're, you know, gate crashing, which is what they call, you know, going through the Pandora's gates. And Seeing what's it's there. more of the Star Trek thing, you know, yeah. which is like, hey, brave new Bold frontier. Boldly go where no people, have, where no one has gone before. Right. And don't lose your mind. And then there's, you know, a political intrigue type game where you're trying to find out who's, you know, fucking over this mm. part of the, the solar system. What, what, or a Mahjong tournament. Or the, <laughs> the standard kind of Call of Cthulhu like survival horror, like go to this space station that stopped broadcasting. Find out what happened. Oh, oh yeah. Bodies and let's be honest. Outside. Like, when have we ever gone to a station where that's happened? And it's pretty much like, oh, we were partying and we our transmitter went down. We're sorry. Yeah. yeah <laughs> hey, you want to party with us? <laughs> yeah. I really think that could it's, it's that could never. Be, it's never that could that. be freaky. Actually, yeah. if you come on board, like, oh no, we were just having a grand old celebration. Yeah. Like, booze for everybody. Come on. The Favre's on full speed. So, <laughs> uh, I'm not saying we should have that in, no, you know, no evil there, Caleb, but. <laughs> yeah, ten sessions of just party. Woo, nothing stressful. Woo. It's like, or there, like there's an exurgent, but it's part, partying too. Because yeah. it's trying to copy us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then again, probably have to probably it was probably later. We have to keep partying, otherwise it's going to get it's going to remember what it's here for and kill all of us. Right. So we have to party and never stop, or we'll die. <laughs> you you realize you're just giving me game ideas now, right? Yeah. I can't imagine what you would think I would be doing that for. Uh, but that's the thing. Like each of those campaigns <laughs> requires even out of the the, the must have skills, the top tier skills I listed. Some campaigns are going to have it more like the gate crashing campaign. The infosec isn't going to be as important because you're in an alien world where you're not going to be able to hack as much stuff so uh but on the other hand dodging is you know in a political entry game where if you're going to get killed it's going to be with an assassination team that's going to just wipe yeah. you out and you're not like, going to have much or it's going to be in that poison you just drank yeah poison yeah something <laughs> like that or nano swarming dissembling you while you go to sleep so uh <laughs> so like there's sort of like a learning curve of what kind of skills you'll need and what kind of morphs and another thing is how important gear is to your character because I think there's there's sort of like the PC mentality is it's very easy to load up on gear at the very beginning because you know the really cool stuff isn't super expensive, like even uh, a normal character can become a really badass. Like they have a pregen who's a, a reaper morph with his floating death ball, mm-hmm. and you know you could do that in a thousand points, but there there's some pitfalls to that. So. Yeah, like um, I think one of the we'll get to this when we're running the games. I think one of the best benefits of the games is that uh, you're a little off the hook and balanced sometimes because you can kill characters. Like it's not like, like those forty game sessions go out the window, yeah. and the person has to re-roll and they're no longer engaged. They still get to play their beloved 
AGI, you know, right. Raven, whatever they built up, because uh, they have save points built into the game with the right. cortical stacks. Uh, well, and so, also back up. So even if your cortical stack is lost, like you're, you're and it's it's hard science. So yeah. like if you want to go from Mercury to Earth, you need to sit in a spaceship for months, if not years, on end. So what you do is you broadcast yourself, and you got to pick a new body. The thing is, you got to pay for a new body once you get there. Um, so the the one downfall I see in the character generation system for new players that they should really avoid is that you can use your character points to buy yourself more credits so you can get more a badass body. And you need to realize that those character points do not come back once you die or travel. Like, you spent those credits, they're gone. So if you fork over 200 character points to make yourself rich as heck and blow it all on the most awesome... Reaper more. Yeah, Reaper more body on Earth. And then even if you're successful and murder everything in the system... The second you have to like move, yeah, you know, like the rent goes up and you've got to move habitats, <laughs> then you are, you know, trapped in a symbol space cold space server or yeah. walking around in a case morph. Case morph being the cheapest, which gives you like minuses to everything, and you know, like. Well, actually, they have the lemon trade, which I know you love because you inflicted it on yeah. the other morphs. Which is and, well, and then also your skills aren't that good, like yeah. when you move to that other body. So yeah. It is a it is a trap for your traditional RPG player, but once you get past that, so it's yeah, you system. can make a character who's significant. Like once he loses that gear advantage, then you might as well make you. This is when you make a new character because you've lost like a hundred, two hundred points worth of bonuses. So you might as well make a hundred, you know, thousand point character who's all his bonuses, all those points are spent on skills and you know ego traits. You know, uh, traits are basically like feats. You know, there's like social butterfly or ambidexterity and some of those are ego which means they stay with your mind and some are morph which means like if you're immune to poison well that doesn't your digital mind isn't immune to poison it's the physical body you're in you know yeah so. and and you're not going to catch up with your other party members who sleeved into a version of wally or something in the first game because yeah. you you're like maxed out at seven res points yeah. per per arc like per they do it by yeah. arc not session so yeah, if, if it goes into multiple sessions, you've still got seven character points back of those 200 you just lost. Yeah, Reaper Morph is 100 points. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. So Yeah. I also, I also really loved, actually, the, also the secondary economy of favors and reputation. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's actually a good point, and that's another thing players may not realize how important those are. Um, there's actually a whole set of skills for networking, which is basically mm-hmm. streetwise, but for different factions. The factions being like scientists, like hypercorps, yeah, uh, scientists, criminals, criminals. Yeah, every every major group. firewalls one. Yeah, uh, social class kind of mm-hmm. more of a social class rather than faction, really, because it's mm-hmm. spread across the entire system. You have your reputation with them. So if you're like a scientist, you'd have R rep for scientist reps, and that that's what they call it, or G rep for criminals, and uh, then you could go around and. Ask you know, do make a networking track, which would be streetwise for whatever. yeah, like, and, and you can like you get favors and you can burn those instead of credits. Right uh, now, the base system we've been doing a little differently. In no evil, like we've had to burn off. Like usually, you only burn off rep if you you're already used up favors. Like the way it works, I think is like there there are five levels of favors. One for minor, which refreshes every half hour. So every half hour, you can ask for a minor favor, and that's equivalent of like fifty credits worth of goods or services. And then it goes all the way up to expensive, which are like twenty thousand credits, and that's like every six months. Like, hey, I need a ship to go from here to here. Yeah, or Farcast mm-hmm. to you know uh, Oberon, you know Uranus's moon, where it's that's where one of the gates is. It's on the outer edge of the solar system. So like 
if you wanted to get two of those really expensive favors in the same day, you'd for the second favor you have to burn rep for that. Yeah. Uh, so it depends that you you should ask your GM actually. That's another thing. You know, running the game is sort of a challenge. Like, do you how what do you house rule and what do you not house rule? Because that also depends on the kind of campaign for your life. One thing we have been house ruling. Um, that I didn't even realize it at first until someone on the Minecraft server actually pointed out to me is the wound threshold rule. Like wounds are, you know, you take durability, hit point damage, and if you take, uh, there's a wound threshold where if you take so much damage in a single attack in the way the rules are as written, you get a wound. A wound is, gives you a minus 10 penalty to everything until that's healed, and that represents a significant injury, like a broken limb or, you know, your eye's been put out or something like that. Uh, now you can get pain resistance to like ignore those wounds, but um, that's that's how it is. Now we've been doing it where if you now no matter how much damage you take, like once you get past that wound threshold, you take a wound. But as the rule, it, like say your wound threshold's ten, and you take five points of damage and then six points of damage. Uh, rules as written, you wouldn't have a wound. What we've been doing is like, oh, you've gone past ten, you know, five, six, eleven, so you get a wound. So that's kind of one of the things you have to. Keep. That yeah, but like, thematically, that's more our kind of group. Like, yeah. we like a game where shooting is bad. Like, yeah. it's not something. Well, you there's consequences. Yeah, for there's consequences for your yeah. actions. So, um, there's that. And I, I've started burning rep more because I tried keeping track. But and I think that I think the rep system works as written yeah. for for a shorter campaign. But my problem is is that I love the setting so much. Like, I want to cover everything from Mercury to out of the Milky Way. So it's been going on for a really long time. Uh, camp Wayne wise and it's really tough to keep track in your notes like okay so and so asked for this favor with this yeah. time period in this game session and it's been this much in story time and that's a little difficult for me so what I've been doing is I've been burning rep and I'm going to provide I provide more opportunities to earn it back yeah. so I have basically turned it into a credit system but the thing is is that in order to get the rep back you don't work a job necessarily you do a one shot or, or an off story arc or uh, it's a it's a plot moment because really it's that way in any game anyway you know D and D you gotta raid the castle and kill the lich to get his rubies or whatever <laughs> I mean in this one you've got to go you know plant the virus on the server of the hypercorp you know it's you still have to do some version of a job so yeah you can house roll all that kind of stuff. And it's the correct answer would be Caleb uh, killing the lich to destroy his phylactery. Yes. Yeah, so, taking a soldier. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, but yeah, uh, th- th- that's a good point. So you have to sort of think about, like, how do you want to run wounds as is, or do you want to do, you know, rep a little differently? Like, but not beforehand. It can come out and play as long as your players, yeah, like, mean, trust you as a GM and you have, like, fun and are actually friends. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't have to, like, oh, God, what do I do and plan everything out before you start. You should have fun. Yeah. And kind of let it develop. Um, yeah, we've all run uh, Close Ways games, and we've all kind of done it differently thematically. Tom, you've even run I know you haven't, I haven't posted your game yet, but uh, you know, everyone wants no evil, so. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, and yours was, uh, wasn't was even, like, a horror game, really. It no, was, not really. Why don't you tell people a little bit about uh, your experience running it? So. Yeah, mine was more of a, uh, I don't want to say a heist, but it's. It was a heist. Oh, I guess, okay, yeah, it was a heist. <laughs> but it was, a, what was it? Yeah, it was basically it was basically kind of it was like uh, Ocean's Eleven. I'm I'm not going to say anything else about that. Yeah, but it's um, it yeah. was in the uh, one of the, the habitat in Atlantica from Atlantica. Pan- it's from the Panopti- Panopticon book, right? Which is essentially like a hollowed out ast- a huge hollowed out asteroid that is ha- basically an ocean inside of it. 
So, uh, you know, that one was kind of cool because, you know, every time that you had to fight, you had to take into account you were surrounded by water at all times. Yeah. And is, and uh, I, well, at first I kind of found the hardest thing for me at fir- when I first ran the game, that was, since that was my first game, was getting the tech clear in my head. Yeah. Like, you know, I admit in that one, I had EMPs doing the stuff they do now. Right. Which doesn't work the same way in Eclipse Phase. Right. To explain, you know, EMPs today would fry out electronics, mm-hmm. you know, we go back to the Dark Ages. Uh, in Eclipse Phase, it specifically says that EMP, uh, all electronics are shielded now because everything's in space, so there's a lot of radiation anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, however, uh, EMP has two effects. One on nanoswarms because nanomachines are too small to shield, so they get shut down. They take a lot of damage from that. Uh, and two, uh, it does stop radio transmissions. Like, you can't send, you can't go to connect to the mesh for a short while after because it interferes. You can't, mm-hmm. there's too much interference between. It's like a jamming thing. So that's what e- how EMP works in Eclipse Phase. So very different but, thematically. But, but yeah, it's but when I, as I was running the game, I kind of found that yeah, the tech really makes makes things far more interesting than just a standard you know heist because yeah. there's so much more shit you have to keep track of. Yeah, uh, that's kind of the big challenge. I mean, I know like especially after Panopticon, I was like, how the fuck can anyone do anything illegal mm-hmm. ever in these places? Because holy shit, they like... like uh, forgery, maybe. Like forging paintings, maybe. Well, yeah, if you can fabricate it, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's the exact same thing down to the molecular level. So how, how can you tell me? Uh, or uh, can you just, by the way, can you imagine like CSI Mars in yeah. that? What crimes could they possibly... I mean, you could literally have... You know, David Caruso doing that thing because he knows, like, we're going to catch this criminal. Of course we're going to catch him. Yeah. Like, how can we not catch him? I have, like, I have his entire genetic history from this one skin flake. Yeah. Um, but that, of course, then that that uh, that is kind of... Actually, that wouldn't necessarily be a dead end because it'd be like, oh, this is a splicer morph that was cloned 500 times. It's a popular model. Every, <laughs> half the people in this village uh, or this settlement are uh, this exact same guy. They just have plastic surgery so they can tell each other fucking apart. You know, so, uh, yeah. I, I will say on the EMP thing that um, this is a game. I, I, my favorite part about the game, I realize that I could just put it into words now. Like, it's really great if you learn to game the modifiers in combat. There's a number of cheat sheets on yeah. the EP site because they're very smart and they aggregate their player-made stuff and put it on one page. Yeah. And there's a number of cheat sheets that has all, like, the combat so modifiers. Happens, yeah. So, like, you know, do I take cover? Do I go full auto? Do I go burst? You know, all like, if you can game that, you can get a kind of a bonus in actually achieving goals in the game. But in the game, you get no greater bonus than understanding the setting. Yeah. Like, when you can propose a good idea, to a good way to ask a favor on a social network... Or an interesting way to disguise yourself if you're trying to be, or uh, a way to get around hacking, or an inst- like nothing gets you farther in the game than understanding how the actual setting works, because they do deal with things. Right? There's a whole section in Panopticon about why you wouldn't instantly explode if you were depressurized, based written by a NASA scientist. <laughs> so, like you know, if you know that you you are uh, you're stronger in a lot of situations. So, I like the game because it rewards. Uh, as mechanic heavy it is, in my opinion, it rewards storytelling over math uh, in that 
you understand the the setting and the, yeah. the verisimilitude of it more, you ipso facto do better most of the time. I mean, that, that kind of brings up a good point for me too. Um, that you know, it's 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 marketed and designed as a sci-fi horror game, but it really can be do as, done as any. And I know I mentioned this in podcast before. It can really be done as any type of hard science fiction game you can imagine. You can even minimize stuff. So, well, like if you don't like cortical stacks, it's easy to like describe a scenario where you're gate crashers or something like that, where you don't you're flats which are basically normal people we're all flats we're not genetically enhanced so that's what they call us in the future uh so you could have like you could do star trek you know through gate crashers or stargate basically uh or you could do a cyberpunk type game you could do any kind of sci-fi genre game there's a whole mass effect conversion on their website yeah they've done it to savage worlds and like they they encourage all that kind of stuff so well actually the main thing i like it for you can actually besides the magic for the most part, you can kind of do riffs and not have it suck. Oh, yeah. You really can. Yeah. Because I mean, if you uh, like any kind, you could you know, there's exploring ruins. Well, of course, there's that. Or you could you could explore ruins, or at the same time, giant sprawling futuristic metropolises. Or you could go. You could actually start doing some Indiana Jones desert shit on Mars. Yeah. Or it could be un- like under like undersea shit, like from you know Atlantica or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You can do stuff in space. You can do but, Mad Max, really. Like, you really could, like on Earth, because Earth is like a post-apocalyptic ruin, so it would be mm-hmm. pretty easy to describe. Except, like, except there, you know, you could actually do creatures, just like weird bodies people have designed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you like that's the thing. It's like almost like a. It's the only science fiction RPG I can think of that is something that I would actually run be interested in science fiction because like every other sci-fi game out there is either you know a we, licensed process. Well, property. we've done a show that we've we've yeah, covered yeah. this before. Like yeah. Star Wars is a fantasy in space. Yeah, Star Trek is like kind of outdated now, and you know BattleTech is like really really anachronistic <laughs> now. Like giant boxy robots shooting each other. Like at close range, like World War II artillery ranges, like really, you know. Uh, I agree that while to- with Tom that it gives you all this freedom, but to differentiate from riffs, yeah. <laughs> please do, please do. I, I will yeah. say that without going into extensive meta plot that is just like white wolf mind bending, uh, they 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 distinguish themselves in that while you do have all this crazy stuff and all these crazy choices in describing the setting, they realize they give you options for having them interact in you know, meaningful ways. Yeah. So if you have a scum swarm full of, you know, orgy biohacking, you know, nano swarmoids, yeah, they don't get along with like hyper corporate, you know, you know, immortal oligarchs. Like they're not on the same level in terms of a value system. And so they're unlike riffs where it's like, here's another book. <laughs> We've thrown this shit in here now. <laughs> And it's it's Cyber somewhere ninjas. Cyber Ninja Wizard Bats go. <laughs> also, climbing is just climbing. We're not talking about that. Tom. Oh, I think we are. Oh, I think it's in your head. I can, I look at your face. We just do an episode on that. The climbing pr- dilemma. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so. Um, I think the only, uh, of course, the other thing is, you know, we mentioned this, we touched on this earlier a little bit, like the munchkin danger, the idea that, you know, characters can become too powerful in this. And certainly, if you're not used to the system, you can easily design things that are not, you know, really challenging. There are a couple of um, 
I think, warning signs. Like, one is the gear. You know, we were talking about gear dependency. If you get someone who's fucking really cybered up, yeah, he's a death machine. And that's a, that's a problem because either you kill them, in which case they're useless, you know, because they sunk too many points into it, or they're significantly worse than the other characters, or two, they're death on legs and nothing else can touch them. and Or, you know, anything that could challenge that guy, the, you know, the Terminator, won't, like, will just massacre everyone else. Mm. So that's one problem. But the, there, there are other problems, too. Another one is forking, and we haven't even touched on that. No. Um, you want to explain it, Tom? Or? It's essentially you make a copy of you. Yeah, because your it, mind is a, a, your a mind, file. Yeah, it's, your, it's your a, mind's data. Yeah, so you can make a, you could run another version of it on uh, another. Uh, there, there are ways to do it legitimately. Like there's a cyberware up, uh, upgrade called multitasking, where you have four forks of yourself, so you can be writing a speech and having a gunfight at the same time. Uh, but there are you could put you know make an alpha fork of yourself which is an identical copy. Beta forks are slightly degraded, and then there's delta forks. I think that's the, the, other. the, the other delta the, forks are the retards. You know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but the the beta forks are kind of okay, and then the alpha forks are literally They're identical. You. It's, it's identical um, person. And the thing is, some players will see that like, oh my god, I have so much power. You know, uh, well, yeah. But then again, like if you make just because you have an alpha fork doesn't mean he's going to obey you. Well, yeah, that's one thing that. Uh, is in the rules, and I know Caleb, you mentioned this that you know alpha as the rule has written, alpha forks are always handled as NPCs by the game master. You only have one character at a time. Uh, because I saw someone on something alpha forum talking about it close. He's like, I'm running four instances of myself, and I control all of them. And I'm like, you are a horrible munchkin, sir. And, yeah, yeah, uh, I, yeah. There, there's that issue. But I would say, just in general, that a, first off, Eclipse Gaze is a game for mature role players like yeah it's too high school students unless you are exceptionally above the curve yeah go stop listening to this and go write your paper because <laughs> you, you know like i would having had limited role-playing experience in high school oh my god eclipse phase would have been a disaster of epic proportions um like you need to be mature you know because but you need to yeah. uh like if you if you alpha fork according to the rules the gm has control I feel uncomfortable doing that the majority of the time unless they've been separated from the fork for a long period of time. So we house ruled that, but that's a whole other issue. Yeah. But, but like, really, you know, that's a GM problem. Like, if somebody's been playing a character for, God, how long have we been playing? Nine months? Yeah, we started in March. And I, like, go send them off on some bizarre sexual trysts because I get bored. Like, they could <laughs> easily be, they could easily be very offended by that. So it, it is a challenge for the, I don't think it's a game-breaking challenge by any means. I think it's easy to rein in because we haven't even gotten into, like, the potency of Titans and Exurgents yet. Because while there is that munch in the aspect, you can design something to murder them. Yeah. very quickly like you always have that button as a gm and it's not really railroady because they're made out in the books to be pretty scary so um yeah not just in the in their ability to kill people in combat but also the infection which i think is the greater threat is the idea yeah. no matter how badass you are if you get infected one, yeah one one in one wound one, one wound, well if that's the vector it could yeah. be a basilic uh basilic uh lisk have where they, you look at it and you go crazy or you get infected. Or it could be a nanoswarm where you don't even detect it. Uh, another thing about forks I just want to mention is that they're the stress cause. You know, mm-hmm. character, Eclipse Phase and characters can go mad. They have a sanity point system where it's the, the sanity is called lucidity and stress checks are sanity checks, basically. Um, and if you take 
you know, just being a fork causes you stress. Like, you lose it. Like, I'm not the real me. I'm a copy of me. Ah. And then I think if their main character sees one of his forks get killed, that should It's like seeing yourself get killed. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. So you should... uh, 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 Those are good tools to sort of keep players from making... I'm the death machine. I'm just going to make ten copies of myself, you know, and then we'll just... Yeah, Suicide Squad! Ah! Charge like, in. Like, yeah, like, well, they may not want to die. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, my character totally wants to die. Blah, 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 blah. Like, so. well, I can oblige you. Yeah. <laughs> Granted! Um, and, yeah, the exurgent uh, threats are really significant uh, because of their ability to infect and And also, character. like, there, there's, there's so many threats, so it's not all... The, they're, they're, like, they're different th- threats, so one is one could be a combat physical threat that's going to attack and kill you. The other could be it just seeps into your mind without you knowing. Right. So you can have threats to cover any kind of weakness. Um, and one thing about the Calisto's book, there's the, there is a there there's a beastery basically in the back where they describe the different types of exurgents you might encounter, common ones, but they don't really have like a These are all that you threat can, rating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like things, so it might, you, you need to read those in carefully because you don't want to accidentally send them. Like the most dangerous one that I can see, from my opinion, is a fractal. And yeah, so, like, um, like we've encountered one once. I think it was in that. It was oh, in my one in, in, in the pilot. Yeah, yeah, in the pilot. And uh, no thought was made to attack them. Yeah, it's get the fuck away. Well, even if you were like a you know a racer squad, death squad, you know, heavily armed to the teeth, it would have been a really nasty fight. But yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we, you guys saw one on a security camera, and Aaron went half insane, like, on the spot. So there, there's that. The best part about, you mentioned the bestiary in the back. Yeah. Uh, you're encouraged to make up your own variants and stuff, and that's a theme that runs through the entire book. The, my favorite part about the books is that while they describe the setting in painstaking detail and they give you so much stuff that you just want to run, they never railroad you and, like, this is the way it is. Yeah. Like, even in... Uh, so they they painstakingly separate in all the books GM from player information. So you never get anything spoiled if you just want to play the game. You can just stop reading at a certain point. Yeah. And even in the GM section, everything's like, well, the exurgents may have come from this, but they also could have come from this, or maybe it's this, or the reason they have psychic powers could be because their brains have been altered, or maybe they see the future and those psychic powers just happened at that moment, and it's a fatalistic determination. Like they give you yeah. all these weird <laughs> uh, potential. Like the only thing I've seen like it is Trail of Cthulhu. When they explain the different Lovecraftian deities, and yeah. it's like eh, maybe this, maybe this, maybe a combination of these two, and I really think that's interesting because it really lets you take a cool setting and bring it in your own direction. Yeah. yeah actually, on that yeah, same note, true. also another thing I remember in the book is it says like where what like, what happened to the Titans? They don't even discover what really happened to them. It could be yeah. like they're st- they're just waiting in the wings for the next phase, or they truly left and don't care about Earth anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, nothing, nothing like that is ever, ever ever set in stone. That's totally yours to work. And with. It, it, yeah, and the, uh, it's really good writing too, just in general for like the way they 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 set up. Just describing you describe how they put everything in real detail. But they they do this throughout the book. It's not just for the major things too. For example, like I was reading Sunward, which is their book talking about the inner system from like Mercury to. Um, uh, pat, the inner fringe, which is like the asteroid belt around Jupiter, I think. Um, uh, anyways, they talk about like on Mars, there's one corporation called Comex, Comet Express. And they say, Comex, uh, the Jovian Republic just shoots all their vessels on site. 
no one knows why. And that's it. Like, they don't explain, like, <laughs> there's this big feud between them, blah, 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 blah. So, like, you could do a whole game based on, like, why is the Chovian Republic hate them so much? Uh, and maybe comics a good guy because the Jovian Republic's a bad guy. Maybe they're both. Maybe the Jovian Republic knows that they're actually infected by insurgents, just doesn't want to tell anybody. Maybe, you know, I, who knows? I love that. An insurgent UPS. Yeah, I exactly. love that idea. <laughs> what could possibly be? It's go like, wrong? like the pilots are literally part of the ships. Yeah. And they, deli- they deliver bad things. Yeah. But in 30 minutes or less. No, that, that's perfect. Like my favorite criminal operation in the entire all all four books is the Pax uh, Familia, and literally they have a paragraph and a half. Like yeah. that's it. It's just they just really richly describe something and leave give you just enough to be like, oh man, that's cool sounding. Yeah. Uh, like Gate Crashing is my favorite book they've done, and we ha- I haven't even gotten close to that yet. Yeah. Like I am. Partway through the first 50 pages of Sunward, and we've run yeah. 30 games at this point. It's it's very rich material. So, yeah, yeah I like I like I like doing campaigns of it because it is easy to keep your the character you play with the whole time. Yeah, you know, although you might have to like. Back up from a previous previous save where you weren't mad. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, bad things can happen. Uh, so yeah, you can't keep the same character. So they found a more elegant solution uh, than D and D for the, the 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 metagame issue of player death, player character death. Um, there is oh the the one thing for player advice. I think um, just in general, um, just there, you know, we talked about don't be too dependent on gear. There are a couple of things I think every character should have, and one is medicines. Oh yeah, oh medicines yeah. let you regenerate. They give you bonuses to resist infections, and e- even robots can have them. That lets them self repair over a certain time. So, and they're only a thousand credits. One character that is a bargain. Yeah, it's a bargain. Get it. Uh, the other thing is somebody should have TACnet software. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because I know if you listen to No Evil, because we abuse this. Disagree. <laughs> the GM suddenly disagrees. Yeah. What's going on? Um, basically gives you a PC hive mind in game. So you can justify like, no, 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 do this. You know, yelling at people <laughs> over the TACnet. I make spot checks through Bob's eyes. You know, like uh, right. everything should be in HD in the future. So I should see, you know, in exacting detail. <laughs> uh, has that problem? Uh, been a problem for you, Caleb? A little bit? Just a little bit? Just a little, little bit? Tiny. Little tiny bit? I don't know. Uh, well, you have to make your pair, uh, players realize that it's not always on. Yeah. Like, it's not always on. Yeah. But, yeah. No, it's fine. I, I'm glad that the PC Hive Mind has a narrative excuse now. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Because it's not as if it would stop if there were no excuse. <laughs> Yeah, but at at the same time, you know, at, at you know, at certain points, you need to isolate your players, like especially for the horror aspect. If we want to talk about themes and rendering it, you know, there's different ways to deal with that. And when yeah. everybody sees through everybody's eyes, it's like, no, aim the gun here. Let me nudge it right to the left, and yeah. to, like, and it's like six people on the plasma rifle. It's yeah. not as scary <laughs> as it could be. Um, so, TACnet is a double-edged sword for those GMs out there. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's true. Uh, but in general, I but, find it, or just the detail to just you know the culture of the solar system. Yeah, I, I like the inter- the description of the like entertainment venues. Yeah, like ego like ego casts. Yeah, where you literally get to experience what somebody else did. Yeah, like like with all five senses. Yeah, there's a lot of like yeah fodder for that. You know, instead of getting the diary or whatever, you actually experience what the last guy did. Which you know? mean it may or may not be a good thing. Yeah, like oh, I'm being. It's like, like wow, this is okay. He did this, and 
Oh my God, he's a, no, not 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 gonna have sex with her. No, get me out, get me out. <laughs> uh, that's another thing, you know. There, there is, yeah. I think hitting on that, the, the the maturity thing is definitely an issue because if you can't handle the, these transhumanist themes, and you know, it, a lot of people might find it controversial because of what it says about religion, like in the future, religion, ha, <laughs> or uh, you know, sex. I think there's like three. Yeah. Buddhism, techno creationism, and worship aliens. Like, yeah. those are the, like uh, uh, all the other ones, like, kind of faded away. Well, then again, once you're immortal. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's and true. And you can, you can traverse the whole solar system in seconds with your mind. Well, not seconds. I mean, like, okay, speeds. fine. Minutes. Yeah. Hours. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> when you can do it a lot faster than anyone else can. Yeah, that's true. And your body is, you know, like an accessory. Yeah. Yeah, really, it's. Like I, I think, pretty. It's more like I, I'm not saying. Like, I'm not. We're not saying God doesn't exist. Pretty much. Okay, God. I think I can take it from here. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think the authors mean it for many. I, I'm not going to put words in their mouths, but as they're trying to sell books, I really don't think they mean it for many philosophical agenda. I think it's just a futurist likely yeah. outcome. I mean, Europe's having trouble now, and they haven't lived for 200 years and yeah. broadcast their brain. Or see, 95% of the world's population go extinct. Or, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I think it's a reasonable thing to infer that the impulse would die down when you, you know, can shoot lasers out of your eyes and, <laughs> you know, crazy stuff like Who's that. Who's the god and, now? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it, it, but that's so, um, any it. final words for people who are wanting to get into Club Space? Like, any sort of advice? Uh, you should do it. It's awesome. It's a great game for uh, mature nerds who are like, ooh, Matrioska brain, and yeah. you know, all sorts of crazy transhumanist ideas. And I, I think it's really cool. So, Okay. I'd say also uh, research it thoroughly if you're going to run it. Yeah. And still research it if you're going to play it, but don't feel constrained by some of the rules. You really can... Go ahead and just do yeah, your don't, own you, thing. You can't ignore stuff. That, yeah, and that, that, that's my final thing is um, I ran a one-shot that took place on Earth, and I didn't, like, I kind of improvised it. So I didn't, like, Earth is like a fucking hellhole as by, per canon. Like, there, there, it's like it's not even breathable air. But I kind of, like, ignored a little bit of it because there were still crazy, exurgent mm-hmm. bad things and lots of craziness. But I, I kind of downplayed that quite a bit. And that's fine. You can't, like... St- juggle every single bit of what the future tech is going to be like future society is going to be like Mm -hmm. like surveillance and you know hacking and all these other factors kind of like minimize the stuff that you you're not as interested in and just focus on the stuff that you are yeah privacy is damn near impossible well yeah but i mean still they they, they, you can still be stealthy and you know still be a do not be intimidated out of running the game yeah yeah give it a shot you'll have fun you know i mean forget getting it right until yeah Yeah, session 20 yeah, exactly. Um, that that's the main thing. Don't be intimidated by it because that that I mean, I, we could have been playing for a year longer if I had actually like yeah. manned up and played it, <laughs> you know, ran it right after I got it at Gen Con. And I really love I really love the the rolling for stuff. I yeah. love the uh, like blackjack. Get as close as you can, but not over. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a simple mechanic. Uh, it's a percentile system, but uh, in a post check, whoever rolls highest without going over wins. So there you go. And. Uh, also, I, on a personal note, I would just like to say, I don't know what it is about my rolling the dice. <laughs> I honestly don't. No. I don't. I haven't, I haven't fudged die rolls in a long, long time. I don't know. Ever since that last ep- that, the episode years ago when I mentioned it. Uh-huh. Sure, Tom. I'm serious. We believe you, Tom. I show my rolls right out in the I open. I know you do. I'm just saying. You're saying, I, well, if you're thinking that I know how to... Op- 
alter my dice to make them roll better. That's giving me way more credit than I need. <laughs> I did kill you that one time. Oh, when's it going to happen? You don't know, listener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they would go on the forums. They could probably figure it out. Because uh, we talk, we, we blab horribly about shit. So uh, We don't hold secrets very well. Anyway, so I think that kind of gives us a broad overview. I think in the future episodes, we'll be talking about systems like Call of Cthulhu, uh, One Roll Engine, Wild yeah. Talents. I really do think um, we should do a an actual Palladium episode. Yeah, we might do that next just to get it out of the way. <laughs> Caleb will probably Caleb have to be here be for, that, for that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb <laughs> is already showing signs of pain. On man up, man. All right, so uh, next up, Tom has a letter. I do. Uh, then we have shout-outs and anecdotes. So, stay like to comment now on the long-term economics of the D&D universe. No, I'm not talking about the viability of Wizards of the Coast or the place the gaming industry has in the global economy. No, I'm talking about the actual economy of the universe most people play in D&D. The fantasy world that relies on gold, silver, and copper as the primary currency. I just think that this is a poor way to run an economy. And yes, the fantasy world in D&D is a global economy. Why? Because no matter the species or race, every sentient creature will use those three metals as currency. Whether it's the human nation of Yendor, the elven kingdom of Fuckatry, or the underdark elithid city of We're Fucking Evil, all of them will take gold, silver, and copper for goods and services. In fact, the D&D world is a more unified world than our own. While they haven't quite achieved a world government, they do have a universal currency. Now, the biggest problem is that while, while stable, gold is a finite resource. So is silver and copper, but not as rare as gold. And while a planet can hold quite a bit of, bit of it, gold is a hard to find. Nations have gone to war over it. And as, a, as economies grow, more gold coins will have to be minted. That means more mining and surveying of the land and more people needing a shrinking supply. Eventually, the demand will outstrip supply and prices will skyrocket. Nations will fall, anarchy will reign, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Now, the D&D world has some unique criteria that our world does not. First of all, magic is a real game-changer. Magic spells used to burrow down and creatures like Earth Elementals could really get, a, get it hard to reach gold deposits. Or perhaps trade deals could be reached with the elemental plane of Earth. That could really boost production, and not to mention providing work for thousands of Earth-based creatures. And let's not forget d- dragons. They are by far the largest holder of gold in the world. They could be instrumental in providing currency controls to the world's economy. They could even establish a strong banking system. Yes, I see dragons as a vital piece of the fancy world economy. Of course, there will always be the problem of greed. We've seen in the last few years what can happen when greed gets out of control. Fortunately, the real power players in the D&D world are seen more concerned with actual power than wealth. So perhaps the focus of acquiring power, mainly mystical power, might help to curtail over-manipulation of the gold market. So the economy of the fancy realm is as vibrant as ever, yet must be ever mindful of the finite gold supply. Steps and regulations should be instituted to help keep the currency stable and the distribution of wealth balanced. And let's look to the dragons to do their part as acting as a federal reserve, keeping things level. They might do better than our own Fed. After all, imagine if Ben Bernanke was a 100-foot-long serpent that could breathe acid. Think anyone would argue with his policies then?
we're back. Uh, so yeah, that was a very informative letter, Tom. Hey, well, you're the one with the MBA. I'm sure you could use more words. Yes, words. Yes, uh, words of economic things. Uh, uh, ironically enough, I believe Ron Paul still wants to go back to the gold standard. He's probably a dragon. He's in the pocket of big dragon. <laughs> yeah, he is. In the D world, literally. <laughs> then again, with <laughs> since dragons can take on human form, one never knows. Yes, he might. Oh, that's yeah. Funny. Ron Paul's a dragon. You heard it here first. Like Ron Paul 2012. <laughs> like, vote for a dragon. Yeah. Because, damn. Because, goddamn, he's a dragon. Uh, and, uh, you that have... might be the next GOP running <laughs> strategy. You you want to be careful with that. They're, they're running out of ideas. <laughs> it's like, Ron Paul, he will fucking eat you. Yes. Well, at least none of them sparkle in the daylight. Then we'd all be fucked. Right? Yeah. No, then we just kill them. Well, no. Like after, oh, they would win. Yeah, they would win. Exactly. <laughs> it would be a landslide. Yeah. Like, he sparkles. Anyways. Um, he just needs someone who loves him. <laughs> okay, Ross. I can change him. <laughs> okay, Ross. That stops now. That stops right now. Uh, all right. So what, let, let's do some shout outs, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we do that, Ross? <laughs> uh, first off, I want to talk about a web series that I've been finding hilarious. It's called Next Time on Lonnie. Uh, it's a take on reality TV, but the format is very unusual. First, they'll show like the last 20 seconds, 30 seconds of an episode of Lonnie. Oh, he's having a date with his girlfriend. They're staying in. Oh, it's so romantic. And then next, well, next time, time on Lonnie. <laughs> oh, my God. She's dead. Oh, what do we do? We need to bury the body. Uh, and then it goes on and on and on. Like aliens show up. Yeah, and, well, in another episode. So yeah. there's been six episodes so far. Each one is hilarious. Each one has a different premise. Uh, and they're all hilarious. So what else do you need? It's free entertainment, you, you goobers, you fans. You uh, buy it, you leptons. Well, there's nothing to buy. It's a free website. Everything's for sale, Ross. No, only Zombies for the World is for sale. And you will oh, buy it. snap! You will buy my book. Uh, <laughs> That's a ninja plug. I know, right? <laughs> you didn't see it coming. I know, yeah. Um, if you use coupon word uh, MetaZombie on there, uh, get 15% off till the end of the month. So, uh, so uh, Caleb, you had one. Uh, yeah, uh, I got, speaking of Twilight and young adult novels, yeah. uh, I got Ross for Christmas, and because I, mainly I want to play it, yeah. uh, I am that gift giver. Uh, <laughs> the Hunger Games board game, it's called Trading Days. Uh, everybody plays a tribute. If you, if you don't know, The Hunger Games is a YA novel, and the premise I have, yeah. is that there was a revolt against the main capital city long ago, and in order to keep you know keep the proles in their place, every year they pick two children and make them compete in this reality show fight to the death, and it's not like figurative, like... Like literally, fighting. it's battle royale. They drop you in there, yeah, and you have weapons. Yeah, an explosive and, collar. Yeah, and you murder each other. Yeah. Um. So you uh. There's that, and it's the board game version of it. Yeah. You you play characters before they go in the arena, and the weapons you get and the help you get in the arena is dependent on your ratings. Yeah. So basically, everyone's competing for ratings. Uh, and so it, it seems pretty cool. We haven't played it yet, but I, I'm psyched to try it. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely. Uh, and with our video game, we'll probably give a video review of it. So uh, stay tuned for that. So, uh, Tom, you had one. Yeah, I have one. It is a YouTube video that I have just actually discovered today, literally. So I haven't put up on, been able to put up on the, you know, the best internet videos. The so forums. Gonna, yeah. Yes, the forums. So I'm going to mention it now. It's called uh, Just Glue Some Gears on It and Call It Steampunk. Which essentially, it's a really well done you know, music video about you know the problems with steampunk. Yeah, 
I, I, I don't want to be the, the bearer of bad news, but I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure. I've heard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that steampunk is dead. And the, only, the reason I know this is because Justin Bieber just put out a music video, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, where he's a steampunk Santa Claus with steampunk Santa elves dancing acrobatically in break dancing. Yeah, it's dead. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that's a kill. Yeah. That is a kill. Uh, so I, I'm sorry to be the one to have to tell you this, but yeah, I mean, Justin so, Bieber is now. So all, that, all, the, so all that steampunk, all those steampunk uh, merchandise booths at Gen Con need to just stop. Yeah. Or find, find something, something else. Find I have like goth, just actual goth stuff. Yeah, too, too, too early. Yeah, give uh, it another 50 years. <laughs> Uh, until okay. then, I declare diesel punk. Pretend to be a 1950s <laughs> greaser with atomic power. Spanner yes. wrenches. It's like Fallout, but cooler. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there you go. There's your next thing. Atom punk. Um, uh, next up, I'd like to uh, or Caleb, you had, you had some more. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm up. Uh, I just read a book called Zone One by Colton Whitehead. Uh, fellow nerds out there may have heard it plugged on NPR. It's NPR's first supported zombie novel. Yeah, um, it, it is very good and it is very literate. Like they said, uh, it deals with the post post apocalypse. So uh, civilizations rebuilding. Yeah, the civilization is rebuilding, um, and uh, there's a government in Buffalo, New York. And as a publicity stunt, instead of their refugee camps that are heavily defended, they're going to try and clear Manhattan Island. And so it's from the perspective of one of the sweepers that goes through and uh, clears out any zombies that didn't come and try and attack the Marines when they went rolling through the streets playing death metal. Uh, So they're basically like janitors uh, with endless numbers of corpses, but they're all made up survivors of the zombie apocalypse. And it's, it's only one day in the sweeper's life. But it, it it moves very slowly in terms of story time, and it jumps back and forth between uh, the the main character, uh, who's called Mark Spitz for a funny reason that you find out, the main character's uh, life in the one day of clearing and sweeping, and then how he survived. And it's very literate in that you re- it, they talk a lot about something they call PASD, post-apocalyptic stress disorder. Yeah. And everyone is totally messed up, like mentally, like no one made it through, <laughs> uh, which is a really interesting concept to hide. Good research fodder if you, you know, uh, close face, probably everyone has that same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, Unless it's, they psychosurgery did out. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's very literate, but at the same time, they don't like skimp on gore or headshots yeah. or any cool stuff like that. So Nice. Uh, Delightful. See, I would uh, also like to mention again the Minecraft server for RPPR. Uh, uh, show up and build crazy things. Ah. Um, and I would also like to mention uh, Bubbles and Troubles. This is a uh, RPPR listener uh, posted this on the Facebook group. It's a scenario for Cthulhu Dark set at a. Uh, I haven't. I just found out about it. Set like an underwater habitat, like a sea lab kind of thing, or a floating sea lab kind of thing. And crazy bad things happen. Cthulhu Dark. You've obviously listened to it, uh, or you might have listened to it on the actual play, where you can find out it's a very rules light system, and <laughs> it can be very serious. Very not serious. Depending so, on the maturity level of uh, people involved. But the PDF's only 99 cents, and Cthulhu Dark's a free game. So if you need something to run without like having to do a lot of work, then this would be a good way to uh, do that. Well, yes. So. We are an industrious nation, but when we can get out of work, we do. 
Yeah. Uh, Tom, you mentioned another story that you wanted to... Uh... Yeah, my... Uh, actually, I've, I know I've mentioned this fanfic already. Yeah. But, that, I mean, several... Many shows ago, but it's now gone... It's now in the 129th chapter. Okay. And it just gets better the more I read it's it. Mass Effect fanfic. Mass Effect fanfiction. Uh, the author's name is Miatel. Yeah. It's called uh, Spirit of Redemption. Well, that's the... That's what it's going to be when you look for it, but it's she's actually gone to like spirit of many different things as the ch- story's gone on. Spirit of cheese. No, not quite that, Ross. Let's be serious, <laughs> please. Be serious, Ross. Spirit no. of finality. No. Spirit of. No, Ross. I'm just going to keep saying no. <laughs> but uh, no, she did. She had a uh, well. Vengeance. She's... There's got to be a spirit of vengeance. There's yeah, like... actually, I believe there is. Yeah. See, that's kind of the gaming word. That's kind of like vengeance. Yeah, that's badass. But um. So... No, she. I mean, she. Well, she's covered many Christmases throughout her chapter. It goes. For, the story's gone through years of actual time. Yeah. But uh, the latest one is they have space Christmas. Oh yeah. Well, the humans do. Okay. And it's also. And but at, currently in her story, there's a huge war going on between the Batarians and everyone else. Okay. And all the children of the main characters are have been moved to this secret, this secret location, so they're yeah. not used as. They're not. Oh, they're not threatened and. Since all the, you know, the the kids, I mean, some of them, most of them are aliens and don't really get Christmas, but they love getting presents. So they yeah. decide to go through with this to you know make the kids feel better. And one of the characters, it, they dress a Solarian as Santa Claus, which if you play Mass Effect are the kind of amphibian looking aliens. Okay, and I love that so much. That was so beautiful. A Solarian dressed as Santa. The, re- the, the, the reason for the season. Exactly, an alien Santa Claus, especially one like that. Okay, I think that deserves that deserves special mention. That that is in chapter one hundred and twenty eight. That scene, by the way. Okay. So uh, I know if you like, just fan read fiction, that one. Yeah. Ignore the rest of it. Well, time. if you like fan fiction, seriously, this is one of the best I've ever read. Okay. Uh, and I've read a lot. You had another book you were talking about, uh, the, the nonfiction one. Uh, yeah, I just got it. I haven't gotten all the way through it yet, but uh, there's a book by Dave McRaney called "You Are Not So Smart." It's based off a blog he ran for a while, so yeah. uh, his blog's still up, and they have a pretty. Uh, pretty slick book trailer on amazon if you want to see it but it's uh basically uh pop psychology and it it aggregates a lot of uh really accurate psychological studies that have been done and organizes them in very easy to read enjoyable chunks but it's all about cognitive biases and like ways your brain betrays you and why from an evolutionary standpoint so it talks about uh priming like how advertisement will work on you if uh, the, if you you know uh, are not aware it's working on you, so he brings up studies where like uh, if you do something that would be con- you talk about one thing that you did in your past that made you feel guilty, and then you are given the option to wash your hands, and then as you leave, they ask you to donate to a separate project, and people who wash their hands are like eighty percent less likely to donate than people who didn't have the ability to wash their hands. Because subconsciously they've cleansed themselves uh, by washing their hands physically, as opposed to the people who just talked about something they felt guilty about and then got asked for a donation. So, like, it's really interesting stuff to me, like why you procrastinate, why you have more Facebook friends than you really need, you know, like all all that kind of stuff. So, uh, as, as a nerd who is not smart enough to handle the actual science of it. <laughs> it's it's very nice to see it put in a nice digestible format like that. 
Um, yeah, there's a book I, I've read that's kind of talks a little bit more about the consumer. It's, I think it's called Predictably Irrational. It talks about again the same sort of cognitive biases and how they apply to business and marketing. You know, uh, so yeah, it's an interesting field. Uh, one thing that I don't know if that your book will cover this or not. You know, we, everyone lives in the past. Um, there's actually an 80, 80 millisecond delay between when something actually happens and your brain processes it. I've read that. I, I don't know if the book covers that. It covers uh, yeah. how procrastination is a the fault of something called present bias. Yeah. The, the faulty assumption that your your values at that exact moment are going to be your values in the future. And the fact that you cannot envision having different values. It's like your brain just doesn't do it well. So even though you really want to play Skyrim for 10 hours right that moment, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to want to not get fired in a week for not having the project done. Uh, so, it, you know, they, they explain like stuff like that. It's kind of like life hacker stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it's pretty interesting, for me at least. So Yeah, no, it sounds like a good read. I've never had a problem playing Skyrim for 10 hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah. will be my future value. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Fuck so, you, work. Yeah. Uh, I want to mention the Drunk and the Ugly podcast. They're an actual play podcast. I ran a game of Road Trip, Monsters and Other Childish Things, for them. Uh, a couple of days ago over Skype and they'll be posting on their uh, podcast pretty soon uh, and they are doing a road trip that's gone over like 40 sessions so road trip campaign over 40 sessions and uh, wacky hijinks and adventures and monsters destroying things so you know good times and uh, uh, yeah so I, I, I can't see. they're fun players too they, uh, they we did the Sunny Vow chapter which is the one based on the Power Rangers and Requiem for a Dream and Elric where <laughs> the Power Rangers had magic weapons that um, drained the souls of the monsters they killed and they were addicted to the power that it gave them so they were and all the monsters appeared whenever they had emotional problems so they were teenagers the monsters were constantly destroying things all the time uh, so uh, they got them uh, they, they eventually decided well these guys are jerks uh, even though we helped them and uh, they destroy monsters why don't we just trick them get them to fight each other and so they did with horrible consequences <laughs> good job team good job <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Player characters, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, pretty much. Um, let's see. You. Do, 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 do. Uh, I'm going to put a link up to the Excel character sheet for the Eclipse Phase thing. Because, yeah, that's pretty Definitely awesome. good. Um, and the Eclipse Phase characters. I know one of the resources you really liked was the NPC files for Eclipse Phase. Uh, essential. Yeah. Essential if you're going to be a GM for any length of time. Yeah, uh, we talked about the complexity of character generation. Doing that for every NPC is not fun. Yeah. So uh, the NPC file gives you like 30 NPCs, and I buy the PDF adventures for that. Like I occasionally try and work them into the campaign. Sometimes if yeah. I have a off week and I can make it seem organic, I'll throw in one of their. Uh, pre-generated one shots, which, which are really good. But more than anything else, I steal the stats from the. NPCs. Uh, yeah. If you're going to run any lengthy uh, EP campaign, I'd say that's a must. Yeah. Or at least because you're going to run out. Yeah. yeah, you're going to run out of the pregens in the books, which are great, but you'll eventually run out of them. Yeah. Or you won't find something. Well, they cover kind of more antagonistic things, not like you know generic security guard. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. Or shifty, you know, hypercorp executive or something like that. They don't really cover. And you can mix and match the stats yeah. and all that kind of thing. Because uh, so. the, the one weakness of the clip phase is, yeah, all characters are very complex. Uh, you know, unlike the one roll engine system where you can abstract characters down to like one dice pool or something like that. You know, where 
hey, he's a 5D goon, you know, or they're 5D group of goons or whatever. There's no, there's no minion or you know simple NPC rules, but that's that's a minor. They, they account for yeah. you know player unpredictability too. Yeah, I want to kill these case morph construction workers because they're taking too long in their lunch break. You know, I can <laughs> look, t- like, I can look that up and stat them out for yeah. the ensuing battle. They took our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, the Humble Bundle for uh, another one of those the Humble Bundles where you get clanking seven computer games why for five bucks. Uh, less, yeah, they're case morphs. Yeah, I don't even know why they have lunch. Well, I guess that's a reason to kill them. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, just, they're, just they're, they're on a lunch break that's shifty. That's killed. Bullshit. Check, check. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, and then finally, uh, I do want to mention I've just recorded an episode of Unspeakable with Adam Scott Glancy and Shane Ivey and Dan Harms, who wrote the Encyclopedia Cthulica and uh, the Necronomicon Files, uh, or Dan did. And uh, we talk about running horror games advice. And so, of course, Scott Glancy regales us with many stories of horrible things that happen called Cthulhu. And I'll just leave you this one line that was seared into my memory. The ticks were size of poker chips. So... <laughs> Uh, on our, their character sheets. Oh my god! So I believe that covers all the. Uh, our assholes have clenched up now. Yeah, uh, all sphincter clench a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think that covers all the shout outs. So, anecdotes. Uh, I think we'll, we'll talk about the last episode uh, or the season, the tier finale for. Uh, no evil phase yeah. for no evil for the moon tier. You know we've had two tiers. Uh, we're just using the D and D terminology now. We had Venus tier, then we had Moon, uh, and next next one will be Earth orbit, I believe. Right? So, yes. Yeah. Um, and in Venus tier or in Moon tier, um, we had to rob a bank. And one is like, uh, we have fabricators in Eclipse phase. Why is there a bank? So uh, no. why is there a bank, uh, uh, Caleb? I'd say mainly the the safety deposit boxes. Yeah, yeah, banks are they're they're trading the main thing in the system is lunar banks trade uh they convert rep scores from autonomous habitats into credit scores. Yeah, into credit scores where the habitats have not made fabers generally available to people yeah. and so there's still like a finite amount of resources just cuz they want to control the people there. Uh, they convert that back and forth mainly, but I figured if they had actual offices, it would be for like one of a kind items, where you could not fab it or get it anywhere else. You know, hyper rare earth artifacts and things like that. So uh, they needed something in there, and so I, I didn't really plan the game so much as I statted out the defenses of the the and the building that all the stuff was in, and then we played a game where the the PCs came up with the next game like they they decided the plan and what order it occurred in and it will be the worst game ever to listen to as i realized about midway through it but the game after that is gangbusters it's nice so well you did provide us a sort of a template for the bank robbery cuz like i'm a, a good, you know d- Somewhat schooled in Eclipse Phase and its intricacies, but like planning the space bank robbery like from scratch would be really like, like I remember one of the things like the plants, the plants they use just to pretty up the place have Kim sniffers. So they can, <laughs> the plants can say you have a gun and tell the computer that they have guns. So like, yeah, yeah. Or the, so, or the like, fucking statue out front. Yeah, yeah, it's not really a statue. Things like that. Uh, so yeah, I did give a template. I hope it was enough. Um, yeah. Uh, I I know my anecdote I want to focus on. Okay. So there's this. Uh, 
So I give the template. I have them be a bunch of crazy async bank robbers, and one of them is a neo avian who failed uplift who also has psychic powers. Ah, oh, Cliff's face. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's pre-language. And so they're, they have this plan that they want to convince the original bank robbers to help them with the bank robbery and increase their chances if they can convince them. So they're, they're talking to separate bank robbers to see if they can convince them to help them out. And there's this uh, neo-raven that is just have this hard-on for killing humans, just psychotically hates them for all the things it's done to him in his life. And so it's like making pictures of kids next to guns because it's pre-language. And the PCs unanimously is like, no. We can't do anything like that. Then the PC plan comes around. Ross's character <laughs> reinstatiates 12 people he's purposely turned into psychopaths, gives them guns and armors, and tells them to attack a civilian center while they bring another angry mob element into this industrial park full of civilians. Well, by mob, you mean actual mafia. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So more people with guns, and they cause a terrorist gunfight between these two factions and the robotic defenses of the bank with, like, school children. We didn't know the school children were going to be And, like, bank executives, you know, janitors, like, walking around in this horrific gunfight of utter death. But we can't appease that that Neo Raven's threat for violence. You know the kids were going to be you there. Were, Jason snapped someone's neck <laughs> unnecessarily. He knocked him out. He yeah. snapped his neck after he was unconscious. Well, this was Jason. Like it's just it, like they murdered at least fifty people, <laughs> and like the Raven's like, no, we can't. We can't let that guy help. That's just sick. <laughs> well, we'll kill half the... We'll space the habitat and then rob it once well, everybody's we, dead. We, we, we didn't go through with the spacing. That was just impractical. You know, I bet that security box is shielded. Let's set off a neutrino bomb <laughs> and sift for it through the wreckage. Like, but this raven's crazy. We can't do that. Well, well, it's like, well, like we don't want to kill people. Yeah. It's it just seems to happen around <laughs> us. You, you know, you killed everyone. You didn't kill everyone. No, we didn't. You murdered lots of people. We murdered lots of people, yes. <laughs> but I didn't kill that. the guards that I disabled at the vault. I just, you know, made them go to sleep. That's and I, I never killed anyone I didn't have to. Yeah. And Thad made it out of the live with the gunfight zone, so that's one person we didn't kill. Yeah. <laughs> one of the other player characters. I'm not saying that you can't do it that way. Yeah. The plan was for it to be open. I just questioned the internal logic of, no, we can't do that. That would be wrong. And then planning a terrorist hey, attack. I was consistent. I was the one who like didn't care if there were people. Being it's true. It's true. Yeah. Your I character was didn't care. Yeah. Well, and also I said, you know, know, we didn't want, I didn't want him because he wanted to kill people. Yeah. We just tend to do it when there's no other choice. Now, okay, granted, maybe our criteria for what no other choice (laughs) means is is subjective, but. (laughs) Less of an example of EP typical play and more an example of ubiquitous player logic. Yeah. That exists across all games everywhere. Yeah. Well, Uh, well, the fact that PCs see themselves as the only real people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and sometimes literally, like I am, everyone else is a simulation. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I mean to be fair, I mean this is like Jason, like I'm not taking my body armor off. And uh, no, I, I didn't. I wasn't angry about it. I just, I just thought it was kind of funny afterwards because I didn't realize it until the next game. Yeah. As I'm racking up the NPC body count, I'm like, wait a second. 
Didn't they discourage getting help from these people because they Again, were too if vicious? If I know there were going to be school children there, I wouldn't. We would, we would have used a lark like, "Hey, two birds with one stone." <laughs> ah, two yeah. birds. Yeah, or, the, or, or, or we might have hired the kids to help us out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I give them guns and murder. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like here, just take this and go nuts. Just shoot everywhere. Yeah. Give them schizo, murder, and guns. Tiny little guns for their tiny little hands. Because uh, remember, firearms are recoilless in clip space. And besides, these are guns. kids. They might not have the, uh, you know, the future, the apocalyptic schizo yet. So we need to get the, they, they get them all ball. They need to be ready for the real. Yeah, give them the schizo and tell them it's a video game that they're playing. So a really uh, advanced uh, augmented reality game. So uh, yeah. like, you know, like Grand Theft Starship. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think that that's a kind of enough for give people some flavor of what Eclipse Face is really like. And we said all those people aren't really dead. They'll be backed up. Or they'll be yeah, restored. they all are. Uh, the children don't have cortical sex. Oh, they, oh they do. Well, even if they don't have cortical sex, they can still be backed up from like ego bridges. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, I felt sorry for the nanny my character died plenty of times when he was a yeah. kid. I just, hey, and I, he turned out just fine. Hey, I felt sorry. I felt Lost so- generation represent. Hey, I felt sorry. I felt sorry for that robotic nanny that was with them. Yeah, because you tell like says okay, let's be delight. It's like like shut up, robot lady, and do your job. Yes, sir. <laughs> See, the kids were horrible people. They were they, yeah, they, these were yuppie larvae. Yeah. Yet again, more examples of Claire <laughs> logic as they rationalize the murder of children. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's that's hey, very we hard. We don't even know they were really children. Where's they could have been not so smart book about cognitive bias. <laughs> they could have be been they could have been adults in there. We don't know. I mean, we I, I remember the first game I ever played in, they I had to murder co- a lot hey, of children. They could have been copies of <laughs> they, they could have been copies of Claudia for all these. Exactly. Know. See. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so th- that's a clip space. So uh, <laughs> it's perfectly normal. Ross Payton here with Tom Church yep. and Caleb, and this has been RBR. Bye, everybody. Robo Radio episode sixty-eight. Phases that are eclipsed and uh, audible books. slash podcasting. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs> you want to listen to it? Audible has it with over eighty-five thousand titles and virtually every genre. You'll find what you're looking for. Get a free audiobook and a fourteen-day trial today. By signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash roleplaying. That's audiblepodcast.com slash roleplaying. Audible podcast, A-U-D-I-B-L-E podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com slash roleplaying, R-O-L-E-P-L-A-Y-I-N-G.